I'm the editor of Reckon's Black Joy team and your host for the Black Joy Archive. On each episode, we're taking you behind the scenes on the stories and moments that sparked joy for our team. For our debut season, we're singing the praises of Black gospel choirs. In our first episode, I'm chatting with Black Joy reporter Danielle Buckingham about her recent essay exploring her relationship with church and gospel music. Danny grew up singing in her grandmother's church in Mississippi. She also co-founded a choir in college, so she knows firsthand the full-body joy of singing gospel music with others. But what happens to our relationship with gospel music when our relationship with church starts to falter? Where do we make space for that joy? These are the big questions Danny takes on in her essay, and we're taking an even deeper dive in our conversation. You can read that essay over at Reckon.News under Black Joy. But for now, I hope you'll join me on our trip into the Black Joy Archive. Hey, Danielle Buckingham, how are you? (laughs) Hi, Minda. You do literally don't have to say my whole name, but okay. (laughs) Hey, Danny V, how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? I'm great. Uh, My first question is, would it be accurate to say that the Black choir, Black gospel music has had a hand in shaping how you define yourself as a Black woman um, and as a Black woman in the South, particularly? I grew up in church. I guess I automatically associate um, gospel music and choirs with church. Um but my relationship with church is a little contentious. So I don't know if it has helped with defining how I define myself as like a person or anything like that. But it is like a part of, like it is something that I still turn to. Like it's still, I still feel something when I hear these songs. So I guess now it's more disconnected from the church in a way, like my relationship to the music feels more like, I don't know, like I have more agency. It's not contingent on me being a part of the church or me feeling like a bad person. Mm -hmm. I can still have that spiritual connection and spiritual feeling and emotional feeling with this music without needing it to be validated by whether or not. I go to church, so. I wonder, though, if it's possible the same way that you're able to separate your relationship with the music from the church, if also you're able to separate the Black women who affirmed you, supported you, and loved you that you found in that church space also from the church. More specifically, I think about in your essay where you write about how you were nervous to sing and there's the older black woman that's like, ah, oh, baby, you gotta, you gotta share your gift. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, I was always being affirmed by older black women and it was an older black woman who told me, you know, what, what, what did they used to say? Oh, she would say, you know, your voice is anointed. And if you, you got to use it because if you don't, God's going to take it. And I just, I don't think older people realize when they say things to you as a kid, like, yeah, I'm never going to forget this. Like, I'm 30 years old and you said that to me over two decades ago. I still remember. And it was something that I I don't know. It it almost made me feel guilty. It did not 
make me less nervous to sing in front of people though it just made me feel like guilty and like oh no I'm disappointing God (laughs) oh no but you also speak on the affirmation though like when you did sing like she was she 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 put that fear in you on the front end but then when you sang she also lifted you up (laughs) it kept me obedient Mm. so one of the reasons I when I go back home that I don't go to church anymore with my grandma, I used to let her guilt trip me is because every time I would go, the pastor would call me out to sing. That's what they do. Um, when you are in when a you, when you got church. a voice that's anointed <laughs> and I just didn't like being on the spot, but you don't say no, you don't say no to that. So if the pre, if the preacher makes that requ- request, you just get up and do it. And that's just, that's part of that being obedient. And even if you don't want to sing, God gave you that voice. That's what you're supposed to do. So there's so much contradiction in singing, setting someone free, and then also having that relationship to obedience. Yeah. And it's so funny because, and I, I don't know if it's the case for all singers, particularly the ones that never pursued it professionally, but I just, I don't think I really knew I could sing or anything. Like as a kid, I just like to sing. I like to hear myself sing. And as a kid, you don't really have a lot of privacy. So I guess eventually a grown up hears you and they're like, then try to make you sing in front of other people. Like, you know, I, black people always make that joke about like your mama making you dance <laughs> in front of family members. For me, it was like trying to get me to sing. And it was like, girl, this was a private moment <laughs> that I was having. Like, I don't <laughs> what's happening. So, well, I think that's interesting, too, that your singing was like the special private thing and you did not want to share it. You did not want to be put on the spot. You did not want to put be put on display. But also when you were in college, when it was time to form community, find community um, in a space where community was not readily available, you turned to singing um, to do that. But you but you were playing a different role. Now you were gathering people around singing. So you were taking um, you weren't in the spotlight, but you were shifting into a leadership type role. Yeah. And I think I actually loved doing that. And I realized how much I had learned from being in a choir and like working under a certain type of choir director who was so creative. When we would be singing, I would always get these ideas for arrangements. So we did a lot of like putting two or three different songs (sighs) together. And sometimes they would be like, I don't know if that's going to sound right. And it's like, I hear it. I hear it. And it, it usually... It did sound really good. And I just felt like that was because I grew up in church and you just kind of know, like, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, you just know certain sounds, what's going to go together, how to how to make it, you know, how to kind of mix it up and get creative. Because I I was very biased and then I loved very old songs. So a part of that was me trying to like mix that kind of old timey gospel with newer Uh. gospel and just kind of remix it to appease myself, but appease everybody else who's like, we don't want to sing that old song, (laughs) Danny. So (laughs) no, that makes total sense. It's like with a stylist where you're like, oh, those shoes don't go. And then you see the whole Mm -hmm. thing. You're like, you know what? 
Now I see the vision. So now people yeah. can hear the vision. Can you describe the what it feels like to you? Like what the feeling is like in the room and like within you when you're singing as part of a as part of a black choir? I feel like it's probably sounds cheesy to say, but like chills, like, I don't know. I feel it's like a full body experience for me. Like I feel the hairs on my arms kind of rise and like, I don't know. That's the only way I can describe it. It's a full body experience. It's a full body experience when I hear sing certain types of singing. Um, and I don't know if I wrote it in there. I think I did and I revised it out, but I used to, when I was younger, my grandma had tapes, which I guess this is aging me a little bit, um, but she had these little cassette tapes and I would get on the floor and I would just like listen to Whitney Houston's um, tape over and over again because she just had a voice that made me feel all tingly. And I was very young, but I was obsessed with her voice. Um, and so it's the same thing, like, but it's certain type of voices. It's voices that are like very soulful, if that makes sense. It does sound like it's full body, it's spiritual, it's connecting you to something that's greater than yourself. And I think people often see singing as, you know, a pastime. But in college, for you, choir was an act and a space of resistance, do you feel like singing has always been that for Black folks? Yes, the resistance, yes. But when I think about, you know, I, my first point of reference is where I grew up, the church I grew up in. And, you know, when women, old, especially older women, got up to sing, like, you know, they always give their testimony. So if you grew up in a Black church you already know she's going to be talking she, for 10 she minutes about to before come up she's, out those shoes too yeah and before she even starts singing so you, you're going to get a speech um but they give these testimonies so you know that like these songs are like about survival it's a it's a sort of like personal resistance of all of these things that are working against them um all these systems and even though they don't name it this is what, when they sing and they talk about how God kept them or how they got over and all of that, that is a type of resistance too. Um, but it doesn't look the same as, you know, marching and singing, we shall overcome. I think both matter, but I think it's something very specific about that kind of personal way that black women express themselves and their stories through song in church. The, the singing, whether or not it's on a personal level, testimonials in church, whether it's collective resistance, like, you know, people singing to keep their hope alive or when they're marching or protesting. Um, and I think it's well captured in pop culture. You know, one of my friends, you know, you know, Nubia. Nubia always laughs at me because one time we were in the car on the way to the club and Lean On Me came on. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is my song. I like, I blasted that. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Anytime she hears that song, she'll be like, Minda, they're playing your song. But I just remember being a little kid at the end of that movie when they're marching and like they're, they're singing the song and they've got their arms all like, you know, linked together. Like to me, like that, that was a spiritual moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You want to sing a little bit of it? 
Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) So what was one of the most interesting things that came up for you uh, while you were writing this essay? I think it was just memory. Like, you know, you're you're a writer um, of creative nonfiction and memoir. So you know how it is when you sit down to write and sometimes you don't even expect the memories to come. And it's like, oh, that is how that happened. That is how that thing happened. Or I did used to, um, you know, lay out in the floor and listen to Whitney Houston or sing in the shower or, you you know, I loved um, Long As I Got King Jesus by Vicky Winans. That was a song that I used to my family used to be like, sing that song you like, girl. Watch her sing it. Hated it. Hated it when that happened, but that was my song. I don't know what it was. I was very young, so I was probably like six or seven, and they used to be trying to get me to sing. I think it was funny to see somebody that young singing that song specifically. If you know that song, you know why that would be funny. So it was um, a time. Yeah, it was a time before TikTok. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Because I would have been that little girl that people would have been like, y'all remember when this girl went viral for singing that song? Um. (laughs) After the break, we'll hear Danny's thoughts on the future of gospel music and whether there's a home for it outside of the church. You said right now you do not currently have a choir home. Do you see yourself returning to the choir in the future? Is there a future in which you gain a new choir home? At this time, I don't see how that would happen. Um, I don't don't see how it would happen. I know lots of things are possible, but, you know, getting into a choir, usually you have to be in church. Um, What I want to, I love singing in choirs like, to be quite honest, like it's it's so fun. It's so feels like medicine. But, you know, I mean, I believe one of your Black Joy colleagues is part of a community choir. And then I one time went and saw a friend in Bloomington who was a part of like a gay men's choir. And so it was like another community based choir. So You know, there are some secular choir opportunities and perhaps we'll see a return of college, Danny, and you'll create an opportunity for yourself. Hmm. Wishful thinking. (laughs) I always got a wish in my thinking. So what do you think the future of gospel music looks like? Because, you know, a lot of young folks such as yourself are pulling away from the church for various reasons. And a part of why gospel music is so significant to you and many others is because you grew up in it, right? So if folks are pulling away and they're no longer immersed in it and they, you know, potentially children that they raise will not be raised up in it. What what do you think the gospel, will there be gospel music in the future? And if so, like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Yeah, I think I don't see it going anywhere. Like, and I really can't say as somebody who, I mean, to be quite honest, a lot of the gospel music that I listen to is from the 90s, early 2000s. I don't really know what the kids are doing. I'm not really a fan of the gospel rap and bebop, whatever. <laughs> be- the Did you say is. bebop? <laughs> <laughs> just, is Rocksteady coming too? That's a, that's a Teenage cool. Mutant Ninja Turtles reference, bebop and Rocksteady. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> they were Shredder's henchmen. I just really like that old timey um, gospel music, and you know, I think older Southern rural churches still do it. Um, but I also respect the ways that the young people are maybe making it feel more like aligned with. Um, where they are, the type of music they like. Like, I don't think anything's wrong with that. I'm just like an old lady. Like, I, I grew up with this music. I grew up around older black ladies. I was raised by older black ladies. So that's really all I know. Um, but I, I think it's going to evolve in the best way, like it always does. Like, I really do think young people, younger singers, musicians, like I, I think they're visionaries and they're always going to figure out a way to like take something that's important for black culture and like take it to the next level. On each episode of the Black Joy Archive, we also want to give our listeners, that's you all, <laughs> a sense of what brings our writers black joy. Here's what Danny has to say. Community, community, when I have like a solid community and, you know, to this day, the level of community that I had, and I'm still friends with a lot of them, but the level of community I had and built in college, like nothing has compared since then, just the way we had each other, the way we took care of each other, the way we leaned on each other. It was just like family. And sometimes I wish that I could experience that again. And so, so yeah, that really brings me joy. It brings me joy when I get to have my little reunions with my friends who I became friends with in college. And um, we usually visit with each other once or twice a year. It's like, it's, it's so energizing. It's like, I feel alive when I'm around them. Like I feel safe and like the best version of myself. And so that's like the ultimate black joy is being with people that are part of my community. Would you describe black joy as a full body experience? <laughs> I see what you did there for a second <laughs> moment. Yes. And you know, to be fair, when you asked that question after we had moved on, I did think about the fact that when I'm with my friends it, and we're laughing and having a good time, that that is a full body experience. So yes, black joy is a full body experience magical spiritual experience and that's our show thank you all so much for listening to our very first episode of the black joy archive if you want even more black joy in your life make sure you're signed up for our newsletter by going to reckon.news and clicking on the black joy page and entering your email addy into the sign up box also, make sure you subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on the rest of our Black Gospel Choir series. You can help us grow our show and spread the Black joy by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to our show on your favorite podcast app. We also want to hear from you. What gives you Black joy? Let us know by finding us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Black Joy Reckon, or by shooting us an email at blackjoy at reckonmedia.com. Black Joy Archive is hosted by me, Minda Honey, and it's edited and produced by John Hammontree and Danny Buckingham. For more podcasts from the Reckon family, check out Reckon Radio and the Reckon Interview wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay joyful. <laughs>